welcome back to our second Hurricane podcast since uh, bringing it back. Number two. Number, Number two, two is on the line. Well, Kel, how do you feel like the first one went? Uh, it was definitely a learning curve for sure. Uh, you could probably definitely tell. Uh, but hopefully as we kind of continue to do this, it'll definitely get a little bit better and kind of more, I guess, I don't know. I hate listening to myself talk. Oh, man. Okay. I listened to that podcast on YouTube probably did you, three different times. Did you listen to it? I, I listened. listened. So uh, I did three times. I didn't listen to any of it. I did. The first time, I listened to about four minutes, and I had to turn it off because I just could not listen to myself talk. And then I was like, you know, you're gonna, if you're going to do this, you're going you're gonna to listen to them. And so I made myself sit there and listen to the whole... That way you can critique yourself? Kind of, a little bit. Uh, make sure I can kind of maybe fix some stuff, but also it was, it was very painful to listen to myself speak. I don't know many people... That enjoy that. Enjoy listening to themselves on camera. I would, yeah, it's a it's a tough time. It's a tough yeah. time for sure. It's always a rough thing, and you don't realize these little bitty filler words you use all the time. Oh, um, um, I think um, I say um, okay, you know, <laughs> over and over and over again, and you don't realize it until you go back and listen to some of it, and you're sitting there slapping yourself in the face, like I sound like an again. idiot again. And so, but like, I was kind of thinking about it, and you know, we're kind of talking about bringing up the podcast to a degree. I was always, I've been something I've been debating on for a while, and, you know, you kind of want it to be perfect, so and so, but like, I can kind of relate this to a lot of people even when like maybe starting fitness is that they're looking for the perfect, perfect opportunity to get started. And I kind of thought about that before starting, because I was hesitant about starting the, the podcast, like I said, because I want to be perfect, and then kind of thought about you know, put myself in somebody's shoes when they came to, you know, doing CrossFit, for instance, they want to look for the perfect opportunity to do it, and you just kind of have to start. You just got to get it done. You just got to start some way, somehow, I think. Um, Even if it looks like shit or, you know, sounds like shit to start off with, you just have to start the process, and then from there, you can slowly improve upon it, and that's the only way you're going to get way better about it by doing you know? it, right? Um, Unless we do, like... 20 different podcasts that never get produced and by the 21st one you're like okay now now we're starting good. to get somewhere then we can throw it out there but I'm just like we're just going to throw it out there and we'll slowly improve like the audio will slowly start to improve the camera quality will start hopefully to everything will start to go up a little bit over a period of time but it, it's going to take a time to get there you know and so um, even so it's you know you kind of you know even when I first started coaching you kind of had that self doubt of you know am I good enough to start coaching are people really going to listen to me you know things like that and and so, I mean, I feel like obviously over the years that I've been doing this now, I've built up, you know, knowledge. And sometimes I have a hard time what I have in my head and then putting it into, into words. words. Like, it's a little bit easier for me sometimes when it comes to, you know, the written word because I can go back and type it a few times and then kind of like backspace adjust it, and just it and make it make better. It, you know, tweak it to make it sound better. But when you're talking, you know, you're like, you say it and you're like, that's not exactly the way I would like to articulate it. Come out. But it's just the way it comes out of my mouth sometimes, and sometimes you can kind of go back and beat yourself up over it. Um, but I just gotta get the fuck over it and yeah. and move on. I mean, that's the only way to get better, though. I mean, it's just time in and then reps and reps and reps, and eventually it will get better. You know? Yeah. Um, that's the whole thing. You just gotta get it get it going. Yeah. And sorry, like I said, f bombs are gonna be thrown here and there. So if you got kids in the car. There's one right there. There's one. <laughs> there might be a couple more. There's probably going to be some more down the road. And so just FYI, we'll keep it to a minimum, but no guarantees if or when it does happen. We were talking about that yesterday after a workout. We were like, so you're keeping it down to a minimum? And I was like, we're going to try our best, but I mean, I can't so, promise you anything. Sarah Margaret said she listened to it in the car, and she said she was riding with her kids in the car, and at forewarned, she's just like, shit. And so she turned it off. <laughs> she turned it off. Turned it off. And like, she's going to go back and listen to it another time. That's so, kind of funny. It is what it is. 
Um, so this one should be produced the week of Christmas. Okay. So, uh, oh, Kale was out for the Christmas party. Had I was out for the Christmas party. I didn't get to witness any of the fun this year, sadly. It has the same tempo every year. You know, the first hour, people were kind of mingling, just kind of like kind of talking, it's kind of low chill. key for the most part. It's kind of like a very like business esque, like nobody's really like anything crazy. And then about an hour into it is when you can kind of start feeling the vibe start to kind of ramp like up. Like people are kind of starting to warm up to everybody. And we usually start the white elephant game somewhere about an hour and a half, two hours in. And I don't know what it is, but as soon as the white elephant game is done, shit just it goes, goes off the rails. It goes crazy. <laughs> so it's, it's a fun time. It's, all, it's a, probably the funnest part we do. That's the best year. part. It's, it's the like, best party for sure. that we throw. Um, but it, it, it follows that same tempo every single year of as soon as White Elephant's over, it just the lights get turned off, music gets ramped up, and people start it getting crazy. stuff. It goes quickly. crazy. I think it's funny though, because like it's like you kind of said, it's like a everybody's kind of like eh, kind of on their toes, kind of like tip, mm-hmm. tiptoeing around, and then as soon as White Elephant, literally, like I feel like you give it like thirty minutes, and people are just like they're opening it up and they're going crazy Why at that point. point. Oh, for sure. Um, Claire, that's the fun part. Claire definitely gets MVP this year. Claire gets MVP. Claire gets MVP. Okay, I, don't, was, I wouldn't have wouldn't have called that she one. She was breaking it down pretty hard. She was dancing. Oh, she was man. getting down. She was hot. What? Hot. And so it was it was a good time. But uh, now some of the bugs been going around a little while. I had it Friday. I literally got it. How you around the toilet? I was around the toilet for a little while. Uh, it hit me at like 2 a.m. that morning, and I literally did not go to bed till like 6 something a.m. that morning. So, like Saturday morning around there. That's about when I texted yeah. you. Um, yeah, I get a text message from Kale at 3 30 in the morning. I'm like, who the hell is this? <laughs> I mean, good thing I've got kids right now. I'm kind of used to being up at different times in the middle of the night. And so I look at my phone, and Kale's like, hey, man, not going to be there morning. I'm feeling pretty sick, throwing up and stuff. It's that was kind of I was like I don't want to text you like right before I like right at like well, even if you're I to sleep exactly so I was like I might as well just text you as soon as I can you know yeah um, but yeah I, I was like I do miss missing the Christmas party because that is my favorite party that we do mm-hmm. all year because um, I mean we got the washers you got the games you know everybody mostly everybody comes up to the Christmas party I feel like um, but it's definitely we had a, a good amount we probably had over hundred plus people oh really uh, dang well it's one of those things like I, I was telling Kaylee to drive over here I was like I wasn't really sure how many people were gonna show up just because I felt like. I didn't, we didn't do it. No one really talked about it too too much. Well, we didn't really talk about it, like all that much. Usually, it's a it's a big a big hype thing, kind of lead into it. Nobody's really kind of saying, you know, hey, you know, just have a Christmas party. Nobody's really talking about that. And so we didn't do, in my opinion, like the best job of kind of like put it out there to people. And so I wasn't really sure how many people were going to show up. I was like, it could be thirty people. It could be a hundred people. And then it happened to be the, the latter of a hundred plus, and we had a hell of a time. But. I just wasn't sure leading up to it that how it was going to go. Did y'all have any crazy white elephant situations go down this year? No, no. There's no. normally like one crazy white elephant gift that comes no, out. No, dick soap. No, no nothing? No dildo. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to think. Probably the best gift this year was somebody brought a thing of sausage with some golf balls. So you had some okay. meat and balls. <laughs> okay. It had $20 in it as well. All right. You got a little uh, dollars She had a little some meat and balls into a package. That's why I like the... the Dirtiest, the dirtiest. It's pretty PG for the most part. Alcohol, alcohol wasn't as much prevalent this time. So I had a lot of alcohol, some random gifts. Really, nothing too bad. No, no bad. Not too gifts. crazy. Not even like shitty gifts per se. It was overall not too bad. We had I think like forty-five gifts somewhere. Oh, dang, so okay. pretty solid overall. A good amount of people. Um, so we had a pretty good time. It rolled pretty well and whatnot. I saw somebody had a, a Cody sweatshirt on. 
on my yeah, FaceTime. I don't think had my fucking face on. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> like, real fucking funny. Well, I saw somebody, I think, like, somebody put, put on Facebook something about, like, putting your face... I think Cooper Bell p- posted something about him making a sweatshirt like that. Face on it. Yeah, yeah, and so I, when you FaceTimed me and showed me that thing, I was like, that's freaking hilarious. No, he definitely he did it. I was like, it is always a fun time. But, uh, so, any uh, family Christian, Christian, not Christian, Christmas traditions you guys do? Um, we, I normally travel to Shreveport. Um, normally, I go to Shreveport for my mom's side of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, we go up there, and I normally they do a bunch of family stuff, and I'll kind of go off with my uncle sometimes, and we just go hunting. Okay. Uh, that's kind of like our deal. Um, and but normally, you going um, well, you can have your shoulder. Surgery. I have shoulder surgery this coming Monday, so I'll be kind of out for at least all Christmas yeah. um, for the most part. So I guess you're not going up there? No, nope, I won't be going up there this year. I'll pretty much be chilling at the house, you know, all up in a little, little crying. Okay. Much. So nothing too too crazy this year, but normally we do go up to Shreveport. Um, we spend about a weekend or so over there. Okay. Any anything else like family traditions like hot chocolate on a certain day? Or uh, oh well, yeah. Actually, we do. Um, my mom would always make us put on the same matching pajamas. Actually, so the whole family in that house Christmas Eve would okay, all have the same exact. So every year you get like a new set of pajamas. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. So that was like my mom's gift. She was like, "All right, your gift is your." Our stocking was always like pajamas, okay. um, so we would all have like matching pajamas. She still gives me. I don't even live there anymore, but I still get my own pair of matching pajamas that they're all wearing the night of. So it's kind of cool, I guess. I don't know. All right, that's cool. We uh, we didn't, about y'all we didn't have any, we didn't have anything like growing up wise. We didn't have anything like crazy Christmas edition wise. I mean, like for instance, a couple weeks out, we'd go to my grandfather's. I was in they have been in Beaumont. We go up to Beaumont and do that Christmas family thing and. I'd have to ask my mom, I forgot the reason why, but he would meet us in the Walmart parking lot, and that's where we get Christmas gifts at. Okay. <laughs> and like, as you just go buy them and then give them to him? No, I don't think he'd go like in the Walmart and buy them and bring them out to us, but we'd meet, it'd be like me and my cousins, because you know, my aunts and my uncles were going to see him, and we'd meet in the Walmart parking lot, and that's where he'd freak. Like, as a kid, as a kid, as a kid you don't, don't think about you it. You don't think about it. You're like, oh, I'm Walmart getting gifts in the, in the Walmart parking lot, but. As you kind of grow up, I'm like, it's kind of weird that we did that. That met in a Walmart. We met at a Walmart parking lot and got gifts. But I think it had to do, he didn't want to like give us gifts in front of the other family members okay. and, and stuff like that. So, but I'm like, that's a weird spot to meet up. parking lot and we got <laughs> gifts there. So, I mean, we did it every year. Okay. Uh, and then obviously he's had like normal family stuff on Christmas Day and whatnot. But we're trying to start some little bitty family Christmas traditions for, you know, us and the kids and whatnot. For the coops uh, and the cars and clays. Yeah, like we're trying to, you know, last year we did like, you know, Christmas cookie decorations. Things. Okay. And then in uh, De Quincy, they do like these, this firework show that we went to last year. And the girls really liked it. They thought it was super cool. So they were trying to do that every single year. And then. What kind of firework? Like, what is it? They, I don't know when they started. Kaylee had randomly saw it. And so we drove off. Because I mean, De Quincy is just right there by us. Yeah. It's, offer, and, um, it's like a 30 minute drive. And. Uh, they have some ball fields out there and everybody lines up in the parking lot and sits on their tailgates and they watch the fireworks like, they pop fireworks that's like a cool. July thing but for, for Christmas and uh, I bet the girls ate that up so Carl thought was super cool I mean Claire was still a little too young I mean she'll probably go this year and like it uh, but that's something we've done before that we did last year I think that's something we're going to try to maybe like do every year every year enough kind of deal and so just trying to start some little family thing it's always kind of weird when you like you either a you bring them your old family traditions when you were growing up as kids mm-hmm. your own, or you try to start your own. Try to make your own. And so that's kind of what we're trying to do is kind of start some type of family traditions or something. Well, that's pretty cool. And, uh, and so forewarned, if you got kids in the car, might want to turn it off now. So talk talk about Santa Claus for a second. Santa. So that's Santa. So let me ask you this: How did you find out about Santa? So I found out. Funny enough, I did not 
I thought he was real for not a long time, but I would say probably maybe like fourth grade or so, fourth grade or so, sometime around there, time. second grade, Late elementary grade. school is yeah, about the time. Yeah, about around there. Um, but I decided one day that I was going to stay up. And so, so you want to make it official? Oh yeah, I was. So you had an inkling that this was possible? For sure, for sure. Someone had told me in school, and so I was like, okay, okay I don't really believe you, but I'm gonna figure it out. And so we had a couch that was in our living room, and it had huge cushions, ginormous pillows. And so I laid in the very crease of the couch and put pillows all around Are you myself. Serious? Swear, swear to God, mom put me to bed, and I'm camouflaged up in this couch with uh, blankets oh all the way to the nine. Uh, and literally, mom, dad, I watched them come and put presents under the tree. Okay, and I'm like, you okay, okay. I was like, I was kind of watching and watched okay. there for probably like 10, 15 minutes or so, and then finally, I just like went ahead and was like. Santa's not real, and they kind of broke it to me right there. Um, so I kind of went full spy mode on them. Uh, they did not know I was there. So let me ask you this: Were you like traumatized by it? I don't think I was traumatized. Um, were you like sad? I, I imagine okay. I would be. In this, I was sad a little bit about it because you know okay. it's kind of something that you you think is real for a long time, and then you kind of find out it's yeah. not real. Um, now my brother, on the other hand, he believed for a very long time. Like, not like high school. No, not high school. Um, but I mean, it was like probably seventh, eighth grade that he kind of like believed and like really thought it was real. Um, and so that was his own version. But I kind of found out a little earlier, so we had to kind of hide it from him for a long time. Well, yeah, when you're the older one, you yeah, kinda have to play. Kind of have to play along with it for a while. Um, but it wasn't just Santa. I mean, he was he was a believer in the whole thing, like the tooth fairy, this so the whole game, the whole gamut. Yeah, for sure, hundred uh, percent. What about you? I don't. I don't remember exactly the time frame. It had to be something like elementary school, and I think. I don't know if it's one of those things where it was I was either piecing together myself or I'd kind of heard other kids kind of talking about it. I just remember kind of laying there one night and just kind of asked my mom at the time was a lot. I just kind of said, "Hey, is he real?" And she was like, "Nah." I was like, "Okay." It's kind of moved on. Moved on. It was a pretty quick thing from what I can remember. Um, but this year, so like Kaylee leading up to Christmas this year was kind of wanting to tell Carter, which, mm-hmm. you know, I thought, I thought the time was like, no, we're not going to tell her. She's only four years old. But apparently, you know, Kaylee's looked into different things and kids get extremely traumatized by the whole Santa Claus thing. Like later on? Well, like when they find, so let, let's say they meet in fourth grade, they find out that Santa's not real. Either they find out themselves or their parents tell them. And kids get traumatized. Apparently some kids get traumatized by it. Like, okay. Like, I can't believe you. Like, basically in the way, like, you lied to me as a Trump. Like, I can't believe you lied to me, and if Santa's not real... Like, what else is is, real? Is God not real? Oh, God. That's like a... They went from here to there, like, like, extreme Like, extremes. Like, I've never... That was not my experience. I never really thought about that. I had not heard anybody else doing that. But apparently that was, like, a thing that parents were saying that had been going on with them, was that their kids were, like, extremely upset with them that they had lied to them this whole entire process and whatnot. And so... So, of course, Katie's mind's she going. She starts going. She's thinking, that's like, going to happen. That's going to So, we need to tell her and stuff. And and at first, I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, she's only four years old. We shouldn't be telling yeah. her. Yeah. And so, she goes to work with me on Fridays because LCA is out on Fridays. And and so, she's in my office with me, and I have a stack of envelopes, and they have Santa Claus stamps on them. And, you know, she's kind of like, well, I stand on the stamps. And we start talking about Santa. And so, I'm like, well, let's, let's use this opportunity to, I'm just going to ask the question. And so I asked her straight up, I'm like, hey, is you know Santa real or is he make-believe? And she's like, well, he's, he's make-believe. I'm like, okay. Okay. All so right. we about to have this conversation. That was easy. That was easy. <laughs> now, she said he was real. I probably was going along with uh-huh. it. I'm like, I can't break it to her. I don't have the heart to do it. 
But the fact that she's like, well, he's make believe, and I was like, well, he's kind of like princesses, right? Like we can pretend that he's real, but he's not really real. Really, right? and really. She's like, yeah, and I was like, so you have to go into our hotel spill, like you know. You know, Saint Nick. That's kind of a good way to put it. Like kind of like princess. Type yeah, like we can pretend that. That way, it's real. kind of it's easier for them. Yeah, yeah, like for she sure. can still have a she can still go along with it, have a good time with it, right? But you know, overall, she knows what's you know happening. But uh, you know, so we went to the whole entire thing like the spirit of Saint Nick and spell you know giving, not receiving, and stuff. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she I means she'll know. I mean, she's only four years old. Yeah. And so you know, the next day, I was like, I don't know if that was like just a gimmick. Like, like so, you gotta like make sure. Yeah, so I kind of like asked the question again, and she answered the same way that okay. was believe and so that was easy. We'll, we'll just roll. You can expect. <laughs> so, um, but I feel like it does, I could definitely see kids though, like bawling their eyes out, like losing their mind no, over that kind of stuff for sure, for sure. But kind of switching gears real quick. So you also you're not participating in family stuff. So you got your second shoulder surgery. Second right? shoulder surgery. Yeah, I had my first one um, October 13th, and I'll be having my right shoulder done December. That's gotta be a pretty 20th. rare thing that I got. That somebody gets their shoulders done like that close. To uh, that, huh? I asked him about it, man, and he said uh, it is doable, but it's not the like not everybody's first choice. Well, no, I mean nobody wants um, to go through the whole entire. Nobody. Yeah, yeah, most he said most people normally do the first one, wait the six months, do their second one if they have that situation. Um, but there's not many people that he said like literally have both shoulders done in like a year time frame. Yeah, um, usually two months. In mine, it's a two month situation, um, just because I was like, I don't want to have to wait six months and then go through another yeah. one. Six, I think it's been a little bit better just because the fact that that first one wasn't. First one was a serious assault that they were going to be. Yeah. So it was like more just kind of clearing things out and not anchoring anything down. Pretty much. Uh, they said if they, if they would have had to put anchors and all that kind of stuff in there, then I would have been out for a much longer time. Yeah. And I'm still out for – I'll be out for a little while. Um, but, I mean, really all they did my left shoulder was they cleaned up my labrum so they shaved that baby down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, I had – eight different bone spurs in the actual shoulder joint of my shoulder um, and that's what was actually causing a lot of the discomfort and pain was actually just the bone spurs okay um, and so they shaved those babies down uh, and then they cut a little chunk of my collarbone out um, for the most part on the left side uh, then my right side they think they're not sure what's going to happen on that side well um, that's supposedly not going to be your bad side but I would talk about it. they're going to get in there and that's going to be exactly. way worse than the other side he kind of kind of broke it down to me was we think it's going to be better and just like shaving up the labor and everything but I mean it could be he didn't even know about the bone spurs on the left side so he could get yeah. in there and it could be a, a catastrophe yeah. um, hopefully not but uh, it could be yeah the shoulder is a tough one man it's just pretty much anything you do with the shoulder it's I mean, it seems like for you, you're doing pretty well. You're rehabbing pretty quickly, just because like wouldn't I guess, serious. But yeah. it seems like pretty much across the board, even it's not as serious or more serious. It's like a six month deal. Pretty much, everybody. even if it's like a, a minimal thing, like my left shoulder. I mean, it's still I'm still. I mean, I have range of motion, but if you told me to go pick up a 15 pound dumbbell, like I'd be struggling. Yeah. Um, and so I think just definitely just a time. I think they tell me like 12 to 16 weeks. Normally, you're pretty much it's healed at that time, um, but you're not like free to do anything at that time of year yeah um so it, it's definitely a process for sure i'm definitely i kind of in, i say i enjoyed the process I, de- I definitely don't enjoy it but i'd like to see the progress to today i guess well it's cool to see you know you didn't have this range of motion or the strength and it's kind of like you're setting like new prs kind of yeah that's kind of how i put it in my mind like that's the only way that i've been able to kind of like i guess stay positive about the whole thing um it's just kind of setting like new little mini prs with the shoulder mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I could definitely see it's it's definitely a struggle bus for yeah. sure though. Like it's you like, had your you had your shoulder done in high school, so yeah, like I had my, my 
So apparently my mom listened to the first podcast. Okay. And she's like, you never told me that story about the barbell. About the snatch deal? Apparently. You never told her that? Well, I was probably scared to death that she was going to go up to school and like choose. Like go crazy? Yeah, and I don't want to be the kid who like told his mom and his mom go there and choose the coach's ass. That is hilarious. So she found out with y'all the snatch story, just FYI. Okay. she's like, you never told me that story. She's like, you're lucky you're 30 years old now or... I didn't like that in high school, you know, all pissed off and stuff. So, because I, I had mine done in high school, um, but it's it's one of those things where it's it's three months of rehab for the most part. Like the next three months are kind of like getting your strength back, strength, so to speak. The first three months like kind of building range of motion. Next three months kind of building strength. But even after six months is up, they're like, okay, you're you're fully released. Still, it's really still like a year long process. Yeah. I mean, for you to full full fully confident back in your shoulder, where you're not second guessing every time you jump on a pull a bar, or you're doing a push up, or grab a barbell. It takes like a good year to now have that second thought. Like you kind of have that that flinching mechanism. You kind of go protect yourself. Uh-huh. You know, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a little bit of a process, and you know, everybody's been the same way from I know of with their shoulder surgeries. It takes like close to a year before you find pretty much hundred percent, hundred percent ready to rock and roll again. And that's that's okay. I mean, um, but definitely ready to just be able to like get back into like a normal routine with the whole workouts and everything. Uh, I think that'll be really cool. Yeah. And I'll be really sore. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I guess we can go on to our, our main topic of discussion here is, you know, it kind of sounds counterintuitive and uh, it's, you know, when it comes to your workouts, a lot of times, you know, with CrossFit, it, you know, everything's done with, you know, high intensity, moving quickly, mm-hmm. you know, for time or as many rounds as possible. And you're moving, you know, through these different workouts, you know, moving large loads, long distances in a short amount of time as possible. And, you know, it's counterintuitive to move slower to go faster. I think that's a very hard concept for a lot of people to understand. Yeah, for sure. And I think maybe, like, because I've heard this term a few months ago, but it's something I'd already kind of intuitively known, you know, going and starting out in CrossFit as, like, you know, as a sport across it was kind of my main thing when I first started. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's supposed to change over the years. But that's something that I had to learn early on, you know, in my CrossFit career was the concept of, you know, learning your different years and learn, learning different ways of improving the other aspect of CrossFit by doing, by moving slower and focusing on different aspects to then improve your performance in the CrossFit style workouts. Okay. And it's a term I think had originally been more dubbed in the like marathon running world of running slower to go to faster. run faster, which doesn't doesn't make, make sense, sense on the surface at all. But once you kind of dive into that, I feel like then you start to actually understand what they're kind of talking about. Yeah. So, like for instance, you know, most people when they're running a marathon, so like you might you might see somebody run a marathon, right? So to think for you to qualify for the Boston Marathon, you have to run like a six. 58, 59 mile, mile for, you know, 24 miles, right? Which for most people that's aggressive. here, that's, like, that's like kind of <laughs> that's a PR. Right? It's, it's crazy. But majority of the training is, is done probably somewhere in the high seven to eight minute plus mile range. They're running at slower tempos to build the aerobic capacity, right? So they're building the volume in that They're building stage. the volume, so to speak. And you can't run, like we talked about last time, you can't go at such high intensities at all time. You're basically in fifth gear all points of time. All day. And more of the progress can be spent. You can get more power output in fifth gear by spending more time in that second, third, third fourth gear. Fourth. You know what I'm saying? Depending on, and that's a wide topic that we're talking about. We can go in a lot of different ways of, you know, with strength training and conditioning training. There's a lot of rabbit holes we can kind of go down. We're trying to 
you know, for the most part, do one broad stroke of talking about this to a degree is, you know, if you guys, I've talked about this before is for myself, I feel like there's probably a good amount of guys in here that are technically probably more fit than me, but I, through my years, have done a better job of knowing where my gears are per se. So I know, you know where, when to hit the gas pedal, I know, you know when to hit the brakes. I know where, you know, I know where my absolutely like sprint is, I know where second gear is, I know where third gear is, you know, so on and so forth. And what we talked about in, for instance, interval training. Take yesterday's workout, for example. Interval training is like we had that four meter run, 21 chest bars and 15 or 10 short overhead. And the time frame we're looking for most people to fall into is about three and a half to four minutes. And a lot of people see that and hear that and they're like, well, I can do that in three and a half, four minutes. But it's at 100% effort. How hard are they going on that? But it's 100% round. effort. They're thinking yeah. that one round, 100% effort. And that's not the point of interval training. The point of interval training is to be able to sustain that over round after round after round. And if it's, if it's taking me three and a half to four minutes to finish that round and that's 100% effort, there's no way you could possibly I do that in four more no, rounds. No, I see not. I can no longer sustain that energy over the next four more rounds. And interval training does such a good job of teaching you that you know if I can stay in that 80 percentile range over the four rounds, I now have a better understanding now to apply that if that was just five rounds for time. For time, absolutely. So I feel like it's a lot of people like you for the clock each person's round, right? If I did a five round work and I clock each one of the individual rounds. Let's say it's, you know, the first round's two minutes, next round's like 2.15, next round's like 2.45, fourth round's like three over minutes. three, and then by the fifth round, they're in the fourth plus minute range. So your first and your fourth round, it literally your fourth round took you twice, or fifth round took you twice as long then your first as your round first did. round, right? And it's like, okay, if you could have pulled back and gone like 2.45 rounds and average that across the board, your time would have been faster For sure. overall. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you can you can go like you kind of said. You can go so many different routes going strength conditioning or whatever it may be. Um, I thought about it as like a like when you easy example when you build a house. Most important part is normally the roof. Okay, obviously because that's kind of protecting you. Correct? Let's say the foundation or foundation, the, the foundation, foundation, and then the roof kind of protects you from everything. But you're not going to put the roof on first. No, correct. You're no. going to start at the bottom. You're going to no. build it all the way up, um, and that's kind of like how I think about CrossFit an example is like you start from the bottom and then you kind of as you grow and as you grow in the sport you kind of grow your way up to the top um, that's the way I look at it personally um, but that's definitely a good way to think about it also is like in your gears and like learning from mm-hmm. your first to your fifth gear and knowing when to push the pedal when to hit the brake yeah. uh, for sure because everybody has that initial I feel good so I'm just going to go up well the first round you feel amazing you know if you don't understand that you can't sustain that over that, that five round window right and the same rules can be applied to strength training. You know, so obviously a lot of times with CrossFit, a lot of our movements are done at the speed, right? Mm-hmm. Because the point of CrossFit is moving high intensity, which, you know, I think is for the most part still should be most people's bulk of their training for the most part. But on the side, the other side of that is if you could take the other piece of the pie to that and say, how are we going to build general strength to you know either get better quality of movement, get stronger, or achieve different type of movements that most people are after? So let's say you know most females when they first start they're looking to get a strict pull up or try to do a pull up. Right? Mm-hmm. Like most females when they first start initially don't they can't do a pull up. And so you jumping into CrossFit and just trying to do kipping pull ups or slapping on a bunch of bands 
you can probably eventually get there over a period of time, yes. But you're going to either A, put a ceiling on how many points you're going to go in the future, or B, never get there at all. You know, so the better way to fast track that is to take some time, which, you know, which we'll do in class where we're programming extra credit, is, you know, working on your strict strength. This a conversation I had with somebody yesterday was, you know, he was asking me, how can I get better at kipping pull-ups? And the first initial question was, well, can you do a strict pull-up? That's normally a tough pill to swallow. And the answer was no. And so then you have to go to that conversation is you're not ready for that yet. And that's hard for somebody to kind of get. It's like, you know what, well, I want to be able to do that. Like, I can do a kipping pull-up, but why do I need to do a strict pull-up to get, you know, get better kipping pull-ups? And your kipping is never going to translate over to more strict. Your strict will translate to more kipping. More kipping. And if people would take a little more time of saying, I need to do some more tempo work, do more strict work, moving slower. Moving slower to get faster. To get faster in your workouts, that will translate over. And I think the majority of the public can benefit more from doing some more tempo, you know, slower strength training to then from there translate into better quality into work your workouts for higher intensity watts, right? Because of the fact that, A, you're building the prerequisite strength. So you're automatically going to be stronger. And so being stronger, you're more than likely going to be safer during those movements. And B, you're probably going to have better quality of movement as well. For sure. Absolutely. So, and then when you apply all those threes, better movement quality, better strength, that then translate to more efficient movements, which then can then make your workouts faster, better, faster. You're making it faster. So it's all about moving more efficiently, right? If I can be stronger and have better body positions, by doing slower, strict work, that can translate into better workouts and faster times, technically. And I know it's not always about, and I don't want to make this, this podcast to be about where, you know, it's about getting faster times. It's not necessarily that's about not, that. That's not the goal. That's not the point. I'm not necessarily getting at that. That's not what I want from this podcast to come out to be. Is like, we're all, we're all about, you know, going faster. Mm-hmm. That's not the point. The point is getting better quality, high-intensity workouts. Because ultimately what we're looking for is better quality of our movements and better quality of our workouts. And what we're, what I'm trying to say here is that a lot of people fall in, fall into that trap of well, to go if, I, one to 10. if I should try to go faster, then I you know then I just need to do more faster stuff, and that's not necessarily the case. You need to move slower on the back end of some of your stuff to make your workouts faster and more efficient, and for you to feel better where you're working okay. as well, and also the longevity of your workouts to be able to do this longer for a period of time. For sure, I mean that kind of like falls back into like the, the whole safety part of it too. If you're if you're if you have the strength to do your strict pull ups and you're getting really really good at your strict pull ups, then you move on to kipping pull ups. You you master kipping pull ups, then you go into butterfly. And per, depending from like let's say you go from one strict pull up straight to butterfly pull ups, mm-hmm. like that person who went from strict to kipping to butterfly is going to be well well more prepared than you just going from a strict pull up to a butterfly pull up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for sure, absolutely. Taking that step back and getting that prerequisite yeah. strength is way more important than yeah. just jumping to that straight, fun, cool-looking yeah. movement, you know? Yeah, so that's all we're trying to get at is that the fact that, you know, for you to get some, maybe some better quality out of your workouts, spending a little more time on those little extra pieces by, and it's been, I mean, honestly, there's only so much time that you can give. And, you know, nobody wants to come in here to the gym for their hour block to do, you know, some strict pull-ups and mm-hmm. call it a day, right? Yeah. Like, that's not what we're trying to say. And, that's sometimes as a coach and a business owner, a hard time, a far balance for me to like to give. Together. You know, it's like 
is giving people what you know to speak what they want what they enjoy because that's what keeps them coming back right and like the best programs the one you're going to enjoy and keep coming back to mm-hmm. but also giving them some stuff that they need right and that's a tough balance to kind of follow along with sometimes and you know i think for the most part most people can benefit the most from general high intensity exercise that's the most bang for your buck in the time period yeah because people live healthy you, know, you got an hour in your day you that's have the most bang busy lifestyles sure. and there's only so much time you can give in a day Right, so you're trying to get as much bang for your buck as you can within an hour block. And I think you can get the most quality overall general fitness from the high intensity pieces. And that's what's gonna build you the most athletic ability, things like that. Because I talked about with you about this before, you know, yesterday was, you know, before my CrossFit career, you know, I was just doing the normal gym sessions, right? I mm-hmm. got down high school and kind of between that high school period of time and CrossFit, I had about three years stint. Like your traditional uh, bodybuilding. Traditional, you know, going do legs one day, back and biceps one day kind of deal. And like I told you, my athletic ability had declined so quickly during that three-year window. I remember going to a softball tournament with some of my buddies, and it was probably like two years after high school, and I felt like a block. I felt like I literally could not move. I couldn't do anything. Like I felt like I could not do any type of any athletic endeavor. And then about a year into CrossFit, we had gotten to like a softball league with a group of guys, and I was completely 180. Right, because I had got back into like your athletic athletic movements, and you know hip extension and you know Olympic lifting and running and jumping and things like that the things I hadn't done before but I do think a lot of my success going into CrossFit was the fact that I spent so much time even in high school as well you know when my doing high school football stuff was you know building up that base of doing strict pull-ups and push-ups and back squatting and deadlifting and things like that so when you got into CrossFit I mean you had a a pretty well like background like lifting yeah because and, like, I, have, I already built up all that prerequisite strength right now it was more about me applying that and figuring out how to incorporate that. that into your crossfit right. world for yeah, sure so building more athletic building and building up better better body positions things like that and the issue becomes sometimes with some people is that they don't have that and they try to bypass that and go straight to the high intensity aspect of it all. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? For sure. Um, and I think this is a good conversation for for a lot of people too because we have a lot of newer members at the gym. And so a lot of those newer members see all these cool things like we just went through that ring cycle. So they a lot of people are seeing the ring muscle ups mm-hmm. and they're seeing the dips and all that kind of cool stuff. And so immediately your first intention is going to be like, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So sure. you see people hopping up on the rings, trying to swing and trying to get up there when in reality they should probably be focusing on those strict dips and on those strict pull-ups to maybe – eventually get up there the right way yeah the proper way the proper way instead of just throwing yourself up there and then falling through the rings and and tearing a shoulder and hurting something or doing something bad Um, and so I think this is a good conversation for a lot of our our newer and maybe even some of our our older athletes that maybe once we're able to do something and then like maybe as the years have gone by maybe we've kind of like not spent as much time in the gym or something and they're still thinking that they can maybe do that thing or do that special movement that they have um, when in reality maybe should we take it back a notch and you know go back to the basics to then get back up to what they're eventually able yeah. to do. Um, so absolutely, I definitely agree. And so when it comes to, you know, we kind of go on the opposite of that. So let's say, for instance, you know, maybe, which I think, like I said, most people can benefit from doing more strength training. Now, let's say somebody's like, that's not really what floats my boat. I like to do more endurance type training. The, the strength training is not something I can enjoy. I'm not going to stick with mm-hmm. if I try to do that. I enjoy the CrossFit style things because I do get some weight training in there, but my more my passion is the endurance side of it right okay. my, my running usually what's more running than anything right and you know for most people the same concept can be applied here to a degree is 
slowing down to go faster, but also at the same time when it comes to endurance, depending on what what we're looking at. So like for, for me personally, when it came to a CrossFit round, which you know if you fall into this realm of trying to get better at endurance for CrossFit, is it's not always the case you do have to do some of going longer at slower tempos and finding that's the reason I do intervals, but at the same time I don't want people to take that when it comes to like for instance they're running, let's say they're trying to improve their mile time. For you to improve your mile time in CrossFit, which that's probably the goal standard for CrossFitters, is you're gonna to have to do more interval sprint style things, right? So you're moving like at faster pace. So higher turnover speed, right? Because you're always running at this one particular speed all the time, which you know most of you don't talk about. A lot of people do. do. It, that's a, that's your speed, no matter what the workout is. If it's if you if, 800 meter run or 200 meter run, the speed's the exact same. Which I know you fell fell that boat. Oh, 100%. I was I was the runner that ran no matter if it was a mile or if it was 150 meters. I had one speed. Yeah. And a lot for a lot of people too. Like even on like a rowing day, for instance, you go and watch people's monitors on the rower as you're going through the 20 people who are in that mm-hmm. class. No matter if it's a two minute sprint or if it's a 2k or a yeah. 5k they have one speed they yes. don't know whether they should speed up slow down yeah and so i think that's super important in finding back to the gear situation yeah you know? so that's kind of what i was kind of getting at is with the running aspect or probably the biking or rowing whatever it may be is is knowing where those like those higher gears are because if i'm running trying to pre- improve upon my mile time to get a faster mile time for some people it could you know, and everybody's a little different, so it's kind of hard to do one broad stroke on this. Is you know, let's say maybe somebody is just trying to run a mile without stopping. That's a little bit different. That's protocol. totally different compared to somebody who's like trying to run a five minute mile. Run a five minute mile, yes. right? And so, for the we're talking about people who are trying to they can run a mile without stopping. They're just trying to improve their mile time. A lot of that training should be spent in you know higher turnover speeds. You're not going to ever really run a whole bunch of actual miles. miles. It's going to be more like like 200, 400, 600, 600, 600 like 800s with a higher turnover speed done at a faster than mile pace. Pace. You can have some days in there that are done at slower tempo paces to build aerobic bases, but I wouldn't say a mile is an aerobic exercise per se. That's I mean, the reason why a marathon would be more aerobic. Yes, right? that's a twenty. That's a 24 miles for most of you it's a three hour plus adventure that's way more aerobic compared to something that's only five minutes to eight minutes that's not that's not aerobic anymore that's kind of an anaerobic piece so for you to build that anaerobic capacity you're gonna have to spend get out of your higher pain threshold tolerances right and so but considering somebody like for instance who's looking to just run a mile unbroken that's gonna be just more of your continuous paces continuous pace slower more methodical Building like a pace you can hold. That training program looks different to somebody who's looking to you know get a five minute mile. For sure. So I don't want somebody to come away from this podcast, for instance, that maybe wants to improve upon their mile time. That's like, well, I need to run slower to go faster in my mile because that's not necessarily the same case. Those are two different mm-hmm. two different ballparks. Capacities. We're talking more on the strength component side of things and to then or gear side of things when it comes to your workouts and knowing how to pace more properly and find your different gears and know. This is more sustainable over a five-run workout. This is more sustainable over a three-run workout. And that's the beauty and the tough thing about CrossFit. CrossFit. That There's so many things that so many you things have to, to like get good at. It's, and you have to be a, so complicated. And you have to be a thinking athlete to do that. Oh, for sure. I mean, if you get in the middle of the workout and you have this... I mean, everybody has a goal going into the workout. Let's say it's yeah. a five-run workout. You have a goal that you're going to do 10 and 2 on the side of 12 until you get to rep six and then you're like okay there's no way i'm doing 10 and 2 mm-hmm. you know um and so you have to actually like 
and that's where I think also experience comes into play. Like for instance, sure. um, kind of like you were saying earlier. I mean, you've you've had a long road in like competing and like knowing all these different things. So when it comes to like these CrossFit workouts and the classes, you know exactly how fast you should be going, when to lay off the pedal, when yeah. to go back hard. Um, and so I think that plays a huge role. Well, yeah, I mean, it's 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 one thing to have tenure experience on it now. I mean, I have I've done this, I've done plenty of workouts enough to know. How most of them are going to feel for the most mm-hmm. part, and know for the most part you can look at it and say, yeah, and, you and, know what's and, about to happen. And for my and for me personally, I know how well done you to break these things up. I can do these things unbroken, and there's still always that that kind of like sometimes kind of you can go to the plan. Yeah. That's, that's always part of the thing. But you doing enough training over a period of time because even though I've been doing this for ten years, it's more like probably like fifteen to twenty years the amount of volume I've done over the years, especially in those early years of competing because the amount of volume you do to compete in this world yeah. CrossFit. But also my goals have changed. But so it's even though I have done doing a ten years total, it's more like probably fifteen to twenty years since the amount of volume that I've that you've actually on done on top of that. I wasn't while you I, were I wasn't a recreational crossfit when I first started, right? It was a lot more volume compared to somebody who's just doing an hour a day. Um, but I don't want, like I said, I don't want to kind of reiterate this again. Is that I'm not looking for this podcast to be something about like competing or necessarily things like that. What I'm trying for you guys to get away with this is the fact of the matter that. I don't want you guys getting caught in the traps of always doing things at a higher intensity. Sometimes it's better to pull back on the throttle and focus on tempo and better positions and things like that. And that will then get you guys in the future to better quality workouts and better scores and better times, things like that, that can make you feel more proud about your workouts, right? And I don't know, ultimately, things, a lot of people don't care about, you know, what a, score, a certain score on the board is and stuff like that. And I don't necessarily want that to be part of somebody's it's main kind of, goal. Yeah. Is. But I want, you know, a lot of people that come in here and over a period of time, they start to establish some type of goals, whether it become a strict pull up or get a dip or a muscle up. And that's what we're trying to refer to is, is working towards those goals and a better way of getting to those goals and a quicker and more efficient way to get there. Yeah, master your beginner prerequisites and then from there move on to those advanced or advanced exactly. movements, you know? Um, definitely, definitely, definitely. So, uh, I think we covered that pretty well. Is there anything I, else think we, think? I think we hit that right on the head right there. Yeah, anything else you want to add to that or you think you're good? Uh, I think we got it. I think, I think that's a pretty solid situation right there. Um, definitely just remember guys like, even though it is a cooler thing to see walking here and see people doing like the butterflies and the kippings or whatever it may be, handstand walkings, there's still, you can still get that same stimulus backing that up a little bit, mm-hmm. okay, and mastering those basics. That way, eventually, like, kind of like you were saying, and later on, maybe a couple, three months down the road, you can then do that movement, you yeah. know? Um, it's just taking that step back and eating that little yeah. pill of ego, you know? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And just swallowing it, you know? Well, and that's the reason why we're kind of starting the podcast is that, you know, it's really hard to have a conversation about this in detail, but especially somebody new for starting. Is they come in, they see people doing kipping pull-ups and bar muscle-ups and kipping handstand push-ups and handstand walking and all these, you know, sexy-looking movements. And there's, well, I want to do that, right? So they just, how do I do it? Go straight to it. I just want to do it. Yeah. Just tell me how to do that one movement. And like you said, it's kind of a tough hard pill to swallow to say you're not ready, ready. to be there yet. You're gonna have to put in a little more sweat equity mm-hmm. to achieve that to open that gate to get there. And I've had to have that tough. I guess tough conversation with a couple people here in the past couple of months, and it's always hard to tell somebody that you know and tell you them. You can kind hey, of see like you know like, in their eyes, you know they, they, they see that, really, that head really fall down, down. Um, and they you can see that they get disappointed right in that moment. But it is better for them to do that, 
you know? Oh, yeah. um, and to go back, just taking it, I know it sucks in the moment, definitely sucks, probably for a little while learning that prereq. Um, it's not always the funnest, it's not always the sexiest, you know, uh, but it will then help you later on down the road to get that movement or later on down that road in the workouts or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, for sure, absolutely. Cool deal. Well, uh, this one should be coming out the week of Christmas for you guys. Christmas? And then uh, I think Kel will probably be out for episode Three. For three, I'll be probably out for so three. So the general game plan for episode three for you guys is um, by that point in time, we should have a general structure as to what the, the workouts are going to look like kind of leading to the beginning of the year and kind of give you guys maybe a, little, maybe a podcast on the general breakdown of you know, what you guys can expect kind of leading in. Uh, you know, Probably sometime in mid-February-ish time, we'll kind of go through some new strength cycles and things like that. We'll kind of, I'll break that down personally. Um, over the podcast, it might be a little bit shorter podcast, but because uh, it'll just be everybody's right. already ready to know what the next cycle is. It'll be so. riding, be riding <laughs> solo. I've already got probably thirty applications on my desk about somebody wants to make a guest appearances. We had Taylor Butler the other day, kind of give us a whole outline of what he wants to do. <laughs> he literally provided us with an outline of what we can talk. It was like about. a twenty thirty minute presentation from Taylor. So, <laughs> but uh, appreciate you guys listening, and uh, as always, if you guys got any feedback, uh, you know, any topics you guys want to jam on. Uh, just let us know and we'll be happy to kind of talk about those with you guys. Absolutely. Merry Christmas. Later, guys.